1: Pastor Keith Crosby of
2: Hillside Church. You may have strongly disliked, you may have had contempt for someone in your heart. Like Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, if you've lusted after a woman, you've committed adultery in your heart. If you've hated somebody, you've committed murder already. If you don't love God's people, if you don't love His church, there's something the matter with you. There's something inconsistent with your profession of faith. I can
0: see the promised land Though there's pain within the plan There is victory in the end Your love is my battle cry The answer for all my life Every dragon will fall the mountains will move every chain of the past. You've broken into all the fear of the lies. We're singing the truth that nothing is impossible with you. Oh, nothing is impossible.
1: Well, hello and welcome to today's edition of the Grace to Live radio broadcast. With Keith Crosby, Senior Pastor of Hillside Church in San Jose, California. We are so blessed that you've chosen to spend time with us today on the broadcast. And as always, we would encourage you to follow along with us in your Bibles if you can. On today's edition of Grace to Live, Pastor Keith continues with our series in the book of 1 John, a series entitled, That You May Know. So if you have your Bibles, please turn with us today to the book of 1 John, chapter 2. Now here's Pastor Keith with today's study.
2: This connection keeps showing up again and again. 1 John 2.15, do not love the world or the things of the, in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. There's no room for the occasional affair here. Faithfulness, obedience, and love are woven together like cords in an unbreakable strand. Don't say you love God and are a Christ follower if you walk in darkness. If you're not striving to walk as he walked, if you don't care, if if his commandments are a burden to you, if you are just tired of God's word and God's people, stop playing a game, right? Love of God, love for God is marked by a desire to please him to obey Him, a passion to serve Him sacrificially, not just when you feel like it. You can't escape these ideas. 1 John 5, 3. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, fact. And His commandments are not burdensome, fact. This is basic, common-sense, baseline, Christianity, and these are inescapable facts laid out by the Holy Spirit as he moved the Apostle John to write these words almost 2,000 years ago. That your, your love for God will move you to obey God. You will love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, however imperfectly you will love God and you will want to follow him. His commandments to you are an object of desire, the source of joy. Your obedience and sacrifice are demonstrations of your love for him, your desire to stick close to Papa. As it says in Matthew sixteen twenty four. if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself daily. Take up his cross and follow me. Yeah, obedience involves sacrifice. That's the heart of worship. Happy to follow him, happy to suffer as a Christian, happy to, happy to suffer as Christ suffered. 1 John 2, 3 through 5. And by this, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, in this individual, the tr- truly the love of God is perfected. And the Greek tense here, in the grammar, has to do with something that's happened in the past and is with continued effect into the future. Can it be that simple? Can it be that simple? It is that simple. That's what the facts say. And these facts are stubborn things. It's just that simple. If you love God, then you're going to strive. You're going to labor to obey him. His commands won't be something that are tedious to you, burdensome, but desirable. Because after all... (laughs) He loved us. He sent his son to die for us. We would only want to please daddy, wouldn't we? If we love him, it shows. Which brings us to our third test of life. And potentially the most revealing. This third test, you know, uh, if the first two are true in your life, this one will be true. But if this one isn't true, the first two can't be true. So I want you to think about that. If this one isn't true, the other two can't be true. You're just playing a game. You need to take a long, hard look in the mirror. And the third one is love for the church. Love for the church. You know, there are some people, they get a hangnail and they don't go to church. There are some people who, don't like to be, who prefer to be around the uh, non-believers more than believers because the believers drive them crazy. There's something wrong with that. 1 John 2, 9 through 11. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in the darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. The height of self-deception. The height of self-destruction. To me, this is the most frightening of the three tests. Now you may be asking the question, wait, 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 where's the church here? Answer, what is the church? The church isn't the building this building is no more holy than my garage at home. This is a meeting house. We can just fit more people here than we can in my garage, particularly with all the junk that I've accumulated over the years. But you hear some people say stuff like this. There was a YouTube video to talk about just demonstrating profound ignorance. They said, I love Jesus, but not the church. Well, the people of God are the church. The church. The people of God are the bride of Christ collectively and how can you hate his bride and love him? They are those with whom you are to have fellowship, connection, resemblance, relationship. And what does it say about you if you don't love God's people? Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in the darkness, is still unsaved. I want you to understand that unsaved, in the darkness, remains in the darkness, dwells in the darkness. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. I once heard somebody say, this individual is so blind, he's like a blind man. And a darkened house with no lights on, with the shades drawn, looking for a black cat who isn't there. That's blind. And I want you to consider what's being said here. It's, it's really talking about preferences. You know, we say, you say, well, I really don't hate anybody. Well, what did Jesus say? Unless you hate mother and father, you can't follow me. The word hate here doesn't mean hate. It has to do with what you prefer, what you like or dislike here. The idea here, it's hyperbole. I doubt many of you or any of you would say that you hate the people in this room or that you hate a Christian. Maybe you would. Let's understand hate. Those who obey God, who love Jesus, love the church. They love the people of God. They want to be with the people of God. They have fellowship with them, connection. They're like them. They have something in common, no matter where they're from or what they've done, from Scotland to Cameroon. I remember spending about nine weeks in a place called Kiribati, on an island called Tarawa, teaching in a Bible college there. And these people, these were tribal people, they wore, like, Most of the people, the non-Christians wore grass skirts and coconuts and things like that. and And the Christians dressed a little differently. But you know what? Humanly speaking, I had nothing in common with these people. And yet I had everything in common with these people. And they opened their home to me and we became friends. I remember going to cabardino Barkaria, to teach in a Bible institute in the former Soviet Union. In the, near the Caucasus Mountains. And these people, I mean, we had all kinds of people running around loose there. You had Slavs, you had Chechens, you had Kalbars. Nobody, hardly anybody spoke English. And we had very little in common except Jesus. But you know what? I love those people and they love me. And I remember a man, an older man, he he was years older than me, he came into the room where I was staying and took me by the hand. He was one of the most esteemed pastors that everybody looked up to. And so uh, he led me into his bathroom and he had prepared a bath for me. Because he knew Americans like hot showers and hot baths. You know? My first church... As a pastor, it was an Asian church, and my wife and children and I were the only Caucasians there. You know what? We're in touch with those people today, to this day, to over 20 years ago, because they were part of God's church. They loved us, and we loved them because we loved Jesus, and we wanted to be together. The church I came from, Sunrise Church of California, 46% Latino, 38% African American, 18% white and Asian. Yet all these people together, and they loved each other. They loved the church because they were God's people, and they loved the Savior, and they had community. There is something wrong with the Christian who doesn't love to be with God's people, who doesn't love God's family. Yeah, family can be irritating at times. But you know what? Family is family. And the blood of Christ is thicker than water. And so according to 1 John, if you prefer the company of unbelievers to the company of believers, you're still in the darkness. And according to 1 John, you walk in the darkness characteristically, naturally, viscerally, reflexively and according to 1st John you don't know where you're going you're going to hell if you don't realize but yet you don't realize it because you're deceived the God of this world has blinded your eyes the church is the family of God and God picked you and that group of people that you should be worshiping with on Sunday he picked you for those people and those people for you just like he picked your parents and your siblings for you in your earthly family. First John three fourteen and 15 says this, we know that we have passed out of death into life. How? Because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides, remains, the Greek word there is mino, in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. You say, well, I've never murdered anybody. Well, you may have strongly disliked. You may have had contempt for someone in your heart. Like Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, if you've lusted after a woman, you've committed adultery in your heart. If you've hated somebody, you've committed murder already. If you don't love God's people, if you don't love his church, there's something the matter with you. There's something inconsistent with your profession of faith. 1 John 4.11 drives the point home again. Beloved, term of affection, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. But if you can take or leave God's church, God's people, then you probably don't know or love Christ. To disdain the church is to disdain God. And sometimes you just got to take a long, hard look in the mirror. Whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks and lives and dwells habitually, characteristically in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. He has not seen the light, as they say. This is tough to hear, I know, tough to read but I don't want you to be self-deceived if you love the world and not the church if you have friendship with the world that is, is what James says hostility to God so let's review the test of life obedience is the first test the easiest test and it indicates a love for God which is the second test if you love God you'll keep his commandments his commandments aren't burdensome and if you love God You'll love his people because he calls you to do so. It should be something that happens to you naturally. You should have a natural or supernatural affection for your brothers and sisters in Christ. These three tests of life are inseparable. If you don't have one, it calls into question the others. If you say you have one and two, then the presence of three will authenticate that claim. But realize to have one is to have all three. I want you to understand that. Let me tell you a story. Years ago, there was a young woman in my congregation, a teenager. She was gifted. She had a gift. And so, you know, like you have traveling sports teams and, you know, traveling theaters and traveling music things. You know, you have these elite camps. And so she won a scholarship to an elite camp in upstate New York. And although she was a high school student, they actually gave her scholarships to the high school camp, and then after that came the college camp, and she got to do both. And so she went from Southern California to upstate New York with its humidity and heat in the summer, and they were at this out-in-the-middle-of-nowhere town uh, at one of the... uh, 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 universities in a kind of a secluded area. And every day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, there was something to do. Hours of practice, seminars, classes, coaching, everything. And then, you know, the kids would have activities at night and things like that. And come Sunday, they would let them sleep in. And every Sunday... You know, she, got up, she had gotten up and found the closest church on the internet, you know, that she could. It wasn't a church like the church that she'd grown up in. And she would get up early, and she'd walk a couple miles to that church. The people there were cordial, but not really overly friendly. And it was a little bit liturgical. It was a conservative Lutheran church. They preached the Bible, but they had, you know, some other things that they did. And she would walk there in the humidity, and the heat, in a town that she didn't know through neighborhoods that she was unfamiliar with. She didn't have a car. And then she would walk back, and her friends would sleep in. And she did that every Sunday, pretty much, for the whole summer. When she came back, I asked her one I said, you know, so why didn't you just have a public, a private worship, you know, time in your dorm room? And her answer, I never will forget it. She said she wanted to be, she needed to be with, among God's people. That she loved God, she loved his word, and she loved his church. I mean, this was a 16-year-old girl. You know, today so many students sleep in. They go off to college may never darken the door of a church. 75% never return. There's a reason for that. They're unsaved. So many believers find excuses, believers in air quotes, not to go to church. They don't like the people. These people irritate me. I can't find a good church. Then find a mediocre church, go there, roll up your sleeves, serve, and make it a better church. But let me tell you something, if you, lo- if you love God and you love his word, you'll love the church. And these are the facts, and sometimes these facts are just stubborn things, and they say more about you than the people that irritate you. And sometimes you have to take a long, hard look in the mirror and say, is this me? So what do you do with this? How do you apply this message? Well, start with the church, God's people. Do you love them? Do they irritate you sometimes but generally you like to be among them then rejoice you're probably in the kingdom but if you enjoy the company of the unbeliever more than the believer if you just have to drag your carcass into church every sunday take a long hard look in the mirror there might be something wrong do you love jesus do you love god or are his commandments burdensome? His word, is it? Do you know the lyrics to your favorite song but you don't know much about the word of God? Don't have much interest in it? Take a long, hard look in the mirror. These are the words of life. This is the air that fills your spiritual lungs, that helps your body grow, that nourishes your soul. And if you don't love his word, if his commandments are a pain in the neck, there may be a problem. If you love his word, if you, like David, can say, oh, Lord, open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your word, well, rejoice and be glad. Because that means you love Jesus. And that means you love his word. And that means that you characteristically walk in the light and not in the darkness. Facts are stubborn things. And we might prefer something else, but they are what they are. And John has written to us what God has moved him to write. And let us all take a long, hard look in the mirror and perhaps rejoice in what we find there, not sinless perfection, but a desire to love God, to serve Him, to love and worship alongside His people and to walk in the light. Despite our many foibles and failings, or maybe we've just been playing the game, going through the motions, and we have the opportunity now to respond to Christ for the very first time so that we know where we're going when we die. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. It is truth itself. Sanctify us in truth, Lord. What a passage. Lord, help us, Lord, to understand that you know that our frames are dust, that you're not demanding sinless sinless perfection, but you are calling upon us to sin less and to love more, to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, to love your word and to love your people as we bear witness to Christ and our hurting, fallen, and broken world. Help us to be changed by you, Father, to be changed by your word, to be changed by your love so that we can be instruments in the Redeemer's hand, changing this world one soul at a time with the message of Jesus Christ as we bear witness to his love because we love one another and love you and your word. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Pastor Keith Crosby on today's edition of Grace to Live. We are so blessed that you've chosen to spend time with us today studying God's Word. And if you'd like more information on Pastor Keith or Hillside Church, here's how you can connect with us. Our mailing address is 545 Hillsdale Avenue in San Jose, California, 95136. The church office telephone line is area code 408-269-4782. And you can connect with us on our website, which is gracetoliveradio.org.